This is Red Pub Pod. Red Pub Pod. Furniture History Edition. A podcast. Red Pub Pod. From Red Hog Publications. Red Pub Pod. Red Pub Pod. Red Pub Pod. Red Pub Pod. Welcome to Red Pub Pod. I'm Richard Eller. Probably the greatest employer to Western North Carolina is the furniture industry. Has been for 150 years and will continue to be substantial into the future. As a matter of fact, it's the industry that put Western North Carolina on the map. And uncountless thousands of people have worked within the furniture industry. Red Hawk Publications is just getting ready to publish a book on that called uh, Well Crafted, The History of the Western North Carolina Furniture Industry. And while I was working on that book, I was able to meet a lot of people that were instrumental to the furniture industry, none more so than a family that involved both a mother and a son who worked in the furniture industry. And I was lucky enough to interview Ruth Church back in 2022, I think it was, mm-hmm. Since then, she's left us, but she left a great legacy because she told me some really good stories about the furniture industry, and I have with me today her son, Romy Church. Welcome to Red Pub Pod. Your mother was quite a character, wasn't she? She was. Tell me about her. Well, um, she was quite a lady. Um, she worked in the in furniture probably 25 years or so. I, I really don't know exactly how long. She loved life. She loved her family. Very, very active when, you know, when she was younger, before her later years. Like music, uh, like cooking, like cats. Um, this, she, she was a fun person and um, said a lot of funny things over the years that she really didn't think was funny. But she said a lot of funny things. Yeah, she was probably the most lively woman I have met in the, the, the process. Now, she started in the furniture business at a very young age, right? At 16 years old. Wow. Mm-hmm. And there's kind of this iconic picture of her looking back at the camera while she's nailing the backs in on, was it nightstands? I really don't know. She she always said, I'm setting nails in backs. I don't know if it was a nightstand, if it was something bigger. I really don't know. But it, it could have been nightstand. Any idea how she got into the business? Her her dad worked there at that same factory, Kent Coffee, and uh, when she got old enough, sixteen years old, I, I guess that was the age they would hire someone. Um, she went to work. She had had left school, and uh, she went to work to help support the family, but to have spending money of her own. She didn't. Uh, she she liked buying things, so. She, she did it for herself and to help support the family. At 16, let's see, it was, I think it was 1942, wasn't it? 44. 44. 44. Okay. So she was there during the war years. Yes. She was talking about uh, several of those guys that really helped her in terms of learning the ropes on the job, right? She mentioned a few of those, I remember. She did, and I, I, I cannot remember their names right now. Um, yeah, me either. <laughs> uh, but she, she did mention going, going to work there. People helped her. Um, at some point, they came to her and asked her would she want to work a little overtime cleaning up some offices. She did some of that. She uh, rode to work. With an, uh, at part of this time when she was working there, her dad actually didn't work there. And so she uh, walked down the road uh, a pretty good distance and then rode to work with a neighbor. And uh, that that's how she got started there. Okay. What's your first memory of her going? To, she, she was still working in the furniture business when you when you were a kid, right? 
She she stopped at some point. Um, her and my dad got married in uh, 19, 1947. So she either stopped when they got married or she stopped when my oldest brother was born, which is the following year, 1948. I don't know for sure, but I, I know she stopped at some point there. She started back working either when I was very young or, or maybe before I was born. I think I was very young, but she started back. She was in textiles for a little while. Uh, the textiles moved away, and then she went back to furniture in the early or mid-70s. She worked in furniture till the early 90s. Is that, and that when she retired? That's when she retired, yeah. Okay. Now, tell me about her humor. One thing she would say, um, and it, this may not be a nice story. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. There, there was a lady uh, in the family, and, and she didn't like this lady very much, and this lady didn't like mom very much. And so mom was getting on up in years. She didn't have the full dementia, but she's older. And she said, you know, I, I'd like to see this lady. I won't call her name. She like, I'd like to see this lady. And I wish she had a spider on her head. What do you mean you wish she had a spider on her head? She said, well, I'd just take something. I'd just hit that spider. And if she said anything, I'd just say I'm trying to kill that spider. <laughs> <laughs> kind of a roundabout way. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So she wanted to hit this lady, but she kind of wanted to look innocent about the whole thing. <laughs> she needed an excuse. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. How did you get involved in furniture? Right out of high school, um, actually, I interviewed to go to work at that same factory. It was Singer Plant One then. They had some layoffs immediately after I interviewed, so I didn't go to work there. I worked at a campground for about a year, and then the campground didn't pay very well. So in about 1986, uh, I started at Singer Plant Four. And I worked there for about seven years. I guess some of that um, uh, humor that your mom had rubbed off on you, right? I, I think so. <laughs> <laughs> because your time was marked, and this is in the book, yeah. uh, by some interesting pranks that went on while you were at Singer. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, I was young, had a lot of energy. Most of the guys I worked with were older, uh, did not have a lot of energy, and uh it, it was it was good to to have a little fun, kind of kind of break the boredom, and uh, and I had a lot of fun at others' expense, but nothing too terrible. Uh, so uh, you you want to go go into some of those? Sure, yeah. Okay. Uh, th- those those are a hallmark of that chapter in in the book. Uh, <laughs> I, I I jammed as many of them in there as I could because each one of them. You know, there's kind of a theme to them, and you're right; they're very harmless pranks, but they're a lot of fun. And and I guess they speak to the issue that in uh, in the factory, if you were thinking about things, you had a lot of extra time. Right. It could be a boring, boring job. Exactly. Kind yeah. of repetitive, and and there, yeah, you're right. There was plenty of of time to think about different things and you're right okay so what's one of these where you uh, got it over on somebody okay well there there was this uh, guy that worked across the other side of the building over there i could see him coming and he had for years he had brought a little can of beanie weenies two or three times a week or and he would uh, bring them over near where i worked he would set them up on this pipe and this pipe was really hot like six eight hundred degrees so he would open them a little set them on this pipe and he would warm his beanie weenies up, and he would come over there about 10 minutes early. It didn't take long. It was really hot. So so uh, 
I got the idea I would just remove those one day. So I could see him coming over there. He couldn't really see me. He'd bring his beanie winnies over there, set them on this pipe, and then as soon as he would round the corner, I'd take them and set them off over here or set them up in the window. It's wintertime. Set them up in the window. So he came back, you know, and I see him coming. I set him up there just, you know, 30 seconds before he rounded the corner. He'd pick up his beanie weenies, and they weren't hot that day. <laughs> so he kind of shakes them around, and, well, he goes on. So the next day he comes back a little earlier. So he sets his beanie weenies up there. And so, of course, I get them, set them up in the window. You know, it's wintertime, but they're just getting colder and colder. So he comes back, you know, comes back around. I set him up there just in time for him not to see me. He picks him up. Gosh, they're cold again today. Puts his hand, you know, don't touch the pipe. Puts his hand, his heat's just radiating off this thing. You can see the wheels turning in his head. He, he just don't know what's happening here. You know, these beans are ice cold, pipes hot. So he comes a little earlier, and I do the same thing. So we, we keep this up. So he's coming over almost 45 minutes earlier. I mean, he comes a little earlier every day to heat these beans, and they never get hot. They just get colder and colder and colder. And uh, the, the only way he caught me is I just could not contain my laughter anymore when he would pick these things up, and you know, he just could not figure this out. So he finally caught me, so that joke was up. But that was that lasted several days, maybe a couple weeks. That speaks to the um, um, the fun that I think people had to kind of make for themselves. Yeah. In the factory. Now, there was another story about uh, a water cooler, right? Yeah, the, the water fountain. Um, there were these guys uh, that worked behind me. There were about eight or ten of them back here in this area. So uh, they installed them a water fountain back there along the wall. And uh, they uh, put the, the water supply for that was on a platform overhead. And so uh, I, f- I found that supply, and it had a, had a cutoff valve. So I could go up there, and, and uh, those guys, you know, I could see them go to the water fountain. They really couldn't see me. So these guys would go back to the water fountain, and they'd, they'd press the button. The water would come up, and as soon as they'd lean over to get a drink, I'd just cut the water off. And so, you know, they would, they would raise up, and then you know, they'd do the button again a couple times, and water's coming up. They'd lean over again, and just as soon as they'd lean over, I'd cut the water off again. So we'd do that. <laughs> We would do that, you know, four or five times and go on. And so the next guy would go back there the next day. And, and we, we did this over and over and over. And, and again, till I couldn't contain my laughter anymore is the only way I got called up there on that platform and uh, turning the water off. What was the reaction when they found out they'd been had like that? Well, they'd get a little upset, maybe say a few mean things. But it really, it never, they didn't hold a grudge. They, uh... They knew it was all in fun, so I didn't make any permanent enemies at all. Okay. Did you ever get pranked like that? No. No, I was too young and quick back then, and those guys were too old and slow, so (laughs) they had no interest in trying, so never. never. Okay. Tell me about your job. What what, what were you doing at Singer when you had this um, mentally free time to come up with these things? At at this time, I I was loading uh, a hot press, uh, gluing veneer, fronts and backs on cores and I was we'd load this thing up I had a partner guy on the other side and he would cover for me a little bit because he enjoyed watching me do this stuff so um, but that you'd load this thing up and you it would cycle sometimes pretty short sometimes pretty long so that that left me a lot of free time to to roam about uh, you know the immediate area there so 
Now, did your mom ever say anything about you getting into furniture? Was she for it, against it, didn't didn't care? How, how, how did, what was her reaction? She kind of took it like a lot of people there in Caldwell County is that's basically what a lot of people do. And it's, it's kind of the, um, back in those days, that's where uh, inevitably where a lot of people are going to end up. You know, you're, you're going to end up work, as they say, working in the shop. Mm-hmm. And like you said, thousands of people did it. And uh, most everybody did a little of it, at least. Some people longer than others. Mm-hmm. And But no, no, no real reaction on her part. Now, were you caught up in that, I think it's 1996 or so layoff that, that uh, Singer had? No, I, I had moved on by that time. I okay. was not working in furniture anymore. What made you decide to get out? I didn't like it as good as mom did. I just I did not uh, care for it. The money was not really good. Um, I, I found a, a, a different factory, but in the telecommunications and um, better pay, better working conditions, more stable definitely than furniture, the ups and downs being laid off. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I had moved on by that time. Mom retired 90, 92, I think. Or 93. Okay. Yeah. Somewhere along there, I'd have to do a little calculating, but that's about that time. Okay. But she had pretty pretty vivid, fond memories of um, being in furniture. She did. She she spent a lot of that time there. She made a lot of good friends there. Uh, Of course, a a lot of them are like her. They're they're gone now. But uh, she built a lot of relationships there with people um, and made a lot of good friends. Her and dad both. You know, my dad did too. So he worked in furniture as well. He did. He did too. Most most all of his adult life. Now, did they meet at a factory? No, no. They met uh, in the in the neighborhood. They lived in the same neighborhood. there, Indian Grade. What about your 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 siblings? Did they? Um, but they they get in furniture too. I, one of my brothers worked in furniture for a short time. Uh, my other brother and my sister never, well, my older brother maybe did for just a, a short time also, but uh, none of them stayed very long. But it was kind of always one of those jobs that was always there and always available if you needed it. It's, it's yeah, it's all always there. It's, it's just kind of, it, yeah, always going to be there. Yeah. 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 What do you think of when, when, because you were gone by this point, uh, you start hearing about all these layoffs in, in furniture? You began hearing of it, and the, the thing I heard is they're not coming back this time. That's the thing that was kind of, you know, shocking, I guess, because they had went before. There had been layoffs before forever, mm-hmm. and they always came back. And I was surprised to hear that you know, people were saying they're not going to come back this time, and they, they really didn't come back in like they ever everywhere before in the 50s, 60s, 70s. Because case goods, which is a lot of what people were working in, mm-hmm. went when they when they went, they're still not back. You know, right. poultry, some of it maybe did go, but it all mostly came back, but uh, a lot of that never left. But you had to work in a special kind of company that did a lot of upholstery mm-hmm. as opposed to some of those, well, like Kit Coffee and mm-hmm. uh, Broy Hill and all those that had just huge case goods uh, work that, like you say, never came back. Never, yeah. yeah, never did make it back. Yeah. Anything else you remember about it? I didn't enjoy it as much as mom did, but but it, I made some good relationships there. Unfortunately, like mom, a lot of those guys were older and they're no longer with us. But, you know, it, it could be some good time. Like I you know, the, the pranks, uh, there were some fun times. 
a lot of history there. It's really, I appreciate you, you doing this book because uh, there's a lot of living went on in those factories. Mm-hmm. Uh, not uh, Just thousands and thousands of lives revolved around them. And a lot of stories to be told. And um, in, in particular, um, something that really is meaningful to me. I'm, I'm the youngest of four. I kind of always thought I would be the last one in my family of origin. Uh, I thought I would be 70 years old and not... 57 like I am today, but all my siblings passed away years ago, and I certainly didn't think the last two would be me and mom, and so for uh, almost five years now, it was just me and mom. I always kind of dreaded that, that, that I, you know, I've got my wife, my adult kids, and a grandson, but I always kind of dreaded that the day was coming, I'd be the last one, and one thing about it uh, is all the memories of my family in my little home there on any grave, they kind of rest with me now to remember or tell or forget or whatever. And um, as mom, you know, was in her last week, um, you know, I knew that day was coming, you know. And uh, I told so many people would come by, you know, I, I'm about to be the last one and I don't don't like it. So, uh, but thanks to you and uh putting the book together here at Red Hawk Publications, um, a little bit of mom's story and a little bit of my story is going to live on long after I'm gone. And that's uh, that's very touching to me. I, I appreciate it. Oh, well, you're certainly welcome. One of the great things when you um, – I don't I, I don't remember how we connected. If you heard about I was doing the book or how that – how that connection was made. But I just remember you sending me an email to say, my mom was in the furniture industry if you want to interview her. And I said, I leapt at that because that was that was a great opportunity. Yeah. Well, I, I would go see mom every morning and I'd listen to First Talk, uh, Hal Rowe. That's you, right. You were doing an interview that mm-hmm. morning and you asked, did anybody have any stories or something about the furniture? And I immediately you know, thought of that picture of mom. And so, yeah, that that's where I first heard of you in the book. And she she adds a lot of color to the book because so often you get into stories about um, the the men mm-hmm. who were forging these companies and making this stuff happen, and you don't really get very many women's perspectives from it. Mm-hmm. And so that's why when you said my mom worked in the furniture industry, I said, oh, absolutely, I'd want to talk to her because um, – I, I remember you know, what little I worked in furniture. There were a lot of women in the factories, mm-hmm. and so you you don't really hear from those. And she gave she she was the opportunity to speak for all those other women who had mm-hmm. worked there over you know, so many years, over a century, in in furniture. So she provided a great resource, a great opportunity to understand what it was like to get up every morning, go in, put in a hard day's work. Mm-hmm. Uh, learn those tasks that you don't necessarily associate with women, you know, nailing the backs to nightstands and dressers and all that sort yeah. of stuff. I mean, that's pretty hard work, yeah. uh, especially when you're on production like that. I mean, she she, she was talking about from time to time uh, needing help keeping up, especially when it was early on. But they had that communal, they would help each other right. uh, in the factory. And so you don't get that 
perspective. That 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 may be something that we we wouldn't understand if I didn't have Ruth Church in the book. So thank you very much for making that phone call. I appreciate that. Well, it's my pleasure, and uh, thank and I got you. two for one on that because I got you as well. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you very much for for telling a little bit of mine and my story. I appreciate it. The book is called Well Crafted, The History of the Western North Carolina Furniture Industry. It should be out this spring. Hopefully you can uh, get a copy at your leisure. You will see not only Ruth Church, but Romy Church and a whole host of other people that uh, I was able, lucky, uh, fortunate to interview about the furniture industry. Some that are still with us, some that have passed. My condolences on on your mom. And um, you're right. They they do live on in the pages and in the the images of the book, because what you'll find, I can't tell you the page number right now, but what you'll find is a very lively picture of Ruth Church in her first job at Kent Coffee. So, Romy Church, thank you very much for being with me today on Red Pub Pod, and uh, I only have one request. Can Can you say that, Red Pub Pod? Red Pub Pod. Ah, very good. Okay, yeah. I've had so many people mangle it, but you you got it right the first time. Thank you very much, and uh, I hope you enjoy the book. I hope I've done justice to your mom and to your story and to that of all the Western North Carolina furniture industry. I'm sure you have, Richard. I appreciate appreciate your interest. Join us again for another edition of our Furniture History Series. Red Pub Pod. Red Pub Pod. Red Pub Pod. A podcast. Red Pub Pod. From Red Hog Publications. Red Pub Pod. Red Pub Pod.